gentlemen, and as always, everyone in between. My name is Clifton Duncan. You have found my podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for yet another fascinating conversation that lives at the nexus between art, entertainment, culture, and society. We got uh, an embarrassment of riches going on. So many fascinating guests, and uh, this uh, will be no exception. But first, uh, however you're consuming this podcast, be it on Spotify, Apple, wherever you prefer to scratch your CDP itch, please make sure to leave a like, a comment, or even a review if you're nasty. If you're watching on YouTube, I'd greatly appreciate you if you subscribed. And as always, you can help this podcast grow and this community grow by sharing this show as much as possible. If you love it, share it with your friends. And if you hate it, share it with your enemies. Um, you can also find me on Rumble. I have a Substack and all that stuff. Um, but Look, we're not going to get into too much of that today. We have a, a, a wonderful guest who has uh, limited time with us. Uh, she is a, a, a rather well-known and uh, famous sportscaster, um, or I don't, I don't know if that's accurate anymore, but uh, we'll, we'll get into some of that. Uh, you know, there's been lots of controversies. I'll link some articles um, in, the, um, in the show notes that you'll be very well appraised of. But uh, uh, without further ado, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please uh, welcome Ms. Sage Steele to the show. Sage, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Clifton. I'm glad we can finally figure this out. Thank you for your patience. I know Sage and I have have uh, and her team. Uh, you know, you're dealing with with team. There's Team Sage. You're you're, you're dealing with a a, a like really two and a half people. So don't make it sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, all right. So anyway, Team Sage. Uh, we've been furiously exchanging uh, uh, messages back and forth, and uh, Sage has been so uh, generous and open with her her time. And uh, um, so my my first question for you is: uh, How on earth are you doing? How are you holding up? right now? How are you standing upright? How are your eyes open? What's going on? <laughs> I love you for asking that. Thank you. I'm actually doing really well. Um, today, the day that we're recording this is four weeks to the day that um, the announcement that I posted, the announcement that I'm, you know, leaving ESPN Disney and starting over kind of. So um, I'm doing really well. I have not slowed down. I think that's one thing I would like to do at some point soon. Um, but, you know, you, you hear but here's how you kind of have to keep pushing through when you have momentum, which is a weird word, right? But just in general, um, all I've known is to kind of go, go, go. And I've had for a while many ideas about what's next, and I'm trying to figure those out. So I got to do it. Strike while the iron's hot. I suppose so. Well, it's so strange, isn't it? Uh, the whole idea of momentum and you've got heat now and, you know, you have to do all these things. But it's like, well, I also have to live my life and things are going yeah. on <laughs> in my life and I'm a human being. And I feel like people sometimes, especially if you're a, a public personality, people often forget that you're also a human being at the same time, you know. Exactly. And I have um, three kids, two are in college, one is a senior in high school. Um, that's my priority she is my priority the other two are as well but they don't need me as much unless hey mom can you put a little more money in my in my account uh, i'm like no go get a job so um <laughs> she's my priority and i also though yeah again i was 15 the last time i didn't work so um it's strange but i also think while trying to figure things out and having a ton of awesome conversations i also do need to take a minute and um breathe you know i i'm so um grateful for everything all of it the last 16 years at espn and 28 years total of my career and i, I really have so much gratitude and that's kind of what's leading me right now 
Yeah, you know, it, it, there's something that always comes through, um, you know, and I was watching some interviews of you. It's a very, I, I, I coined the phrase effortlessly effervescent, although I'm not sure how much um, effort is involved, especially these days. Although the question that came up for me is, uh, you have, you have uh, girls and boys, yeah? Two girls and one boy, smack dab in the middle. We pray for him extra, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask because, uh, you know, my, my own mother, and I've heard this sentiment uh, uh, shared by a few women, actually, who, you know, my mom said, I'm so glad I never had any girls. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm always curious, you know, is, is, it, is it that the boys, uh, you know, are they just sort of uh, rough and tumble and rambunctious and break everything until, and then they hit a certain point and they kind of mellow out, and then the girls are like the complete opposite of, am I wrong about that? I think you're right. That's what I had heard. Uh, my son was never rough and rumble and tumble. He's always been very chill, very observant, and he remains that person now. Um, and then he's in between two psycho sisters. Yes. And I, I just wasn't like that. I was a super shy, quiet girl. My dad's in the room right now. He could attest to that. I'm not literally, I'm not just making it up. I was this boring goody two shoes. I was the oldest of three of two younger brothers and they were definitely made up for me times 10. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, I feel like in some ways we're kindred spirits because, uh, you know, I was also a shy introverted kind of kid and then I went into a very public facing yeah. job, but at the same time, I'm also a, an army brat like you. And I know oh. you, you, you spent some time in Belgium as, as did I. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, I, I, I do want to, I'm curious, you know, for those who don't know, because I think your background is actually very, very extraordinary. And I feel like for, for the sort of um, sociocultural movement that we're in right now, um, I, I think it's, it's very, very relevant to, to our time. You, you sort of, you, you live, your existence really is sort of at the nexus points of a lot of different things. So for people who don't know, can you go a little, a little bit into uh, your, your, your background and, you know, you have these great parents and just a, an incredible lineage and story. And I would love uh, for my audience, if they don't know you to, to know a little bit about, about that as, as fast as you can. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's funny. I am, um, this is really morbid. Okay. But I was talking to a friend the other day down where I live in South Florida. I'm part-time there and still up in Connecticut the other part of the time, obviously with my daughter. And she, she's younger than me. And she had just gone to look at some burial plots for her and her husband for when they pass away. And he's much older, but I was like, what? what? And, and so she said, she was telling me all about it and how excited she is that they have a plot for whenever. And I just, there's nothing I've ever done. And she said, where, where are you going to be buried? And I was like, I have no idea because I don't have a place that I've called home. Right. My dad was in the military for 23 years and we went from ready Panama to West Point. My dad had gone to West Point, um, graduated from there, played football there, and then went back and he was coaching there. So Panama, West Point, Indianapolis, Monterey, California, Fort Ord, uh, Greece, Belgium, Colorado Springs, back to Indianapolis, went to high school, senior year there, five years of college at Indiana University, and then jobs took me to South Bend, Indianapolis, Tampa, DC, Baltimore, and now Connecticut ESPN. So where the heck would I choose to be buried? <laughs> like I have, I have no idea. And it was, it's, and by the way, I wouldn't change a thing. I absolutely love my upbringing. I love my life. I feel so blessed to have seen and experienced so many different cultures, but I gotta, I guess I should think about that. I think maybe, you know, we have a little time I'm hoping, but it's an interesting question that, that many people can answer. And I, and I just, I just can't, but I wouldn't change a thing. And I feel like I had the most diverse, incredible upbringing of anyone, even though it was kind of all over the place. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I feel the same way. I mean, it's it's weird because New York was the first place, or I call it the city formerly known as New York, uh, was the yeah. first place where I ever felt uh, really at home in a weird way. But, uh, you know, I, when people ask me where I'm from, I say Germany, Virginia, Belgium, and Virginia um, in that order. So <laughs> you, you, you sort of beat me on that score. But then I became an actor, which is very uh, a very nomadic profession in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. You know, I, I just, it, because I, I ask because you know, as, as someone who is biracial and a woman, and uh, you know, I, I became very intrigued as I was listening to more of your interviews about your, your career and going into sports broadcasting in general. And, you know, I've, I've been kind of annoyed lately because I'll see these millennials and these Zoomers talk about the 1990s as if it were some ancient era. Oh, and, wow. and right, I know, I know. Don't, don't think about it too much. Don't think about it too much. But, um, but at the same time, I, 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 became, I became curious because Given your, I guess we'll use the term identity and your makeup and your background, do, do you feel like you faced uh, any, any sort of prejudicial treatment or even discrimination um, in your career? Did, were there any barriers you felt like you had to sort of, or hurdles you had to overcome um, in, in when you were first breaking into, uh, into sports broadcasting? Uh, I think more so as a woman, because in 1995, when I graduated from college, you know, there were just, there were very few uh, on a national level, certainly much less local, uh, very few. I There were none in the markets that I worked in at first, the first two. Um, there was one other woman when I got to Tampa, she was great, Chris Field. Uh, but the fact that I can sit here and remember the names because there was only one or two of us from 25 years ago really says a lot. Uh, racially, I think in hindsight, there were a couple of moments in Indianapolis for sure, and then probably elsewhere since. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I think I've never been one to allow others to really get me down, at least not for long. Now, um, that quality has been super helpful the last couple of years, <laughs> where there has been a lot more vocal and um, people have let me know how they feel for sure, social media, the good and bad of social media for sure. Um, so, yes, I know that I have. I just don't let that. I don't know. I don't let it get in the way. I have parents who who have overcome so many odds. Uh, in October, they'll, they'll be married 52 years, you know. So when Amazing. they got married in 1971, there weren't many people who looked like them, a white mother, a black father, um, from very different backgrounds, not exactly accepting backgrounds. And they, um, they pushed through it, you know. So we're kind of a family of fighters, and there's really no excuses. Um, and not that it's a cold approach to it because there's a ton of empathy but then it's like okay this happened and this is not right and now what are you gonna do about it are you gonna let them define you are you gonna let them make you quit which i considered that many times through my career and the answer to that is hell no so here we are do you drink coffee or tea of course you do, and that's why I want to tell you about my sponsor, Twin Engine Coffee. Twin Engine Coffee grows and roasts specialty-grade coffees right on the farms in Central America. If you don't drink coffee, try Katura Tea, my personal favorite, made from the dried fruit of the coffee plant. Pro tip, add some ginger, lemon, honey, and a dash of cayenne powder, and you'll have the perfect, sexy, soothing concoction. Support small business and this podcast and order from TwinEngineCoffee.com Clifton Duncan. Again, that is TwinEngineCoffee.com slash Clifton Duncan. Well, it's fascinating because there seem to be people, they don't seem, they actually exist, but people who, they're acting as if we are living in the same kind of um, uh, 
cultural milieu, if you will, that your parents had to face. And it, it's very strange. I mean, I once said that it's, it's, it's been bizarre to me because I feel like I, you know, people of my, our generation have benefited immensely from the types of sacrifices and struggles that, uh, that our predecessors faced. And yet now we have these political movements now, which seem to want to uh, deliberately re-racialize society in, in, in a way that we almost are marching back into segregation, which seems to be a, a very, very weird place to be in. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. I talked to my parents about that too. And if I recall, they, they said they haven't really felt like this in 50 years either, you know, and that's very telling. So it really does break my heart. But I also, there's this fighter in me and that's why I'm trying to not accept it. You know, I mean, doing my little part and um, having a voice, which is something I never thought anybody would want to hear beyond my job. Um, and even sometimes with the microphone on, on a set to uh, working for a network, they haven't wanted to hear, <laughs> um, okay, people have preferences as to who they watch for whatever reason, good or bad. Um, so I do feel this obligation right now to talk about those things, because I feel like if we don't, we're going down this very, very slippery slope that, um, I don't know that we're gonna be able to come back from at least not easily. So I feel like a responsibility and that comes with going through some stuff, you know, and getting beat, beat up and been canceled more times than I can count, but I'm still here for some reason. So to me, it's like, well, well why, what, why am I still able to stand and, and to not have this fear that I did have for many years? So I kind of feel, um, I kind of, well, I feel very fortunate to have this lack of fear right now where I want to keep talking about, um, what's going on because I, I don't want my kids to have to continue to live like this and have some really stupid conversations at this point, if you ask me, and certainly my grandkids, I feel like it's our responsibility. And if we don't, then it's kind of our fault as well. You know, I think, I think it's, um, it's heartening because I think one of the reasons that people like you have become such a lightning rod for controversy, I think there are, are there are a lot of people who feel, um, you know, they might, they might be wherever in terms of their, their politics, but I think there's a, a huge groundswell of people who are looking at where the, I'd say these cultural institutions are going, but when, when I say that, I mean, you know, public and higher education, um, legacy media outlets, um, our arts and entertainment institutions as well, which I'm very familiar with. They're, they're moving in one direction, but it seems like everyone else is sort of saying, no, we don't want this. Like we, we're tolerant of this and, and we're okay with this. And we're, we're so busy trying to get our own lives together that, you know, we, you know we, we're, we're not really worrying that much about what you're doing, but you keep forcing um, your views onto us, and increasingly, they, they just don't make sense. I I don't understand it, um, and maybe that's what makes it more scary. Because again, you say, "Why? Why is this happening? Why are people going to such great lengths to divide and to do things with transgender and sports, like to, to do things that are that just makes zero sense?" Um, yeah, I I I don't understand why, but I do feel like that whole vocal minority thing that exists more than maybe it ever has on social media and elsewhere. Cause I do believe that most people are, are more in the middle and are like us, like, Hey, um, I'm going to support this or support that. And but at the end of the day, let me live my life. Don't tell me how to live my life. I won't tell you how to live yours. That's, that's kind of the way that I tend to believe everything. And, you know, it's fine to have some discourse and to disagree on things. 
And I think it's actually quite healthy. It's one of the things that, that makes this country great, that, or at least has in the past. And I feel that way about everything. I have a ton, many family members. We are very different in many ways, but we love each other. And who cares? That's the America that I was raised in and to believe in. Uh, I actually believe that we must, some of us people in the middle and just trying to live our lives, unfortunately, it's going to take standing up. Because right now, these people are running roughshod over pretty much every facet of our society. And I really believe that if we want to save things, that sounds dramatic, that we have to stand up. And again, I gave the transgender and sports example. Um, and honestly, some of the freedoms that, that were taken away during COVID. And then once we learned and we you know studied and followed that science, and now stuff is coming back, there have to be people who... Let's stick to that side. Let's just stick to the facts, guys. And if you kind of just take it, the where that road could lead is very concerning to me. I feel like we have an obligation to speak up at this point or else. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I, I can't think personally of a single sector of society that has not been damaged in some way by this sort of ideological takeover. And it's a nice sort of segue to talk about your former employer, because, you know, we, I mean, the, the sports world, I think was kind of rocked. You know, there are all these layoffs that were going on, you know, the ratings are really declining. And I see a lot of fans, you know, be them, be they in comment sections or they have their own YouTube channels. And they're saying, you know, I just, I don't, I don't tune in, in, in anymore. I don't watch NBA anymore. I don't watch NFL anymore because they went so far into the political stuff. And, you know, we, we don't, want this to happen um we don't want this stuff in our sports you know there's there's no way that you can escape it but it's you know it's the same thing with comic books and video games even these mundane yeah. activities the same kinds of problems are are popping up and you know so i'm so i guess my question for you is that i mean given given your your background i mean what what were, what were your feelings like when you saw espn begin to shift into this more hyper political territory what was your response to that well, there were many conversations behind the scenes about it privately that I had with some of the top leadership or even um, some big group discussions we had during some particularly tough times where the president of the network was involved and had several of us that he had chosen to sit down leaders in all different departments, but a handful, a small handful of us who were on air and everyone really seemed to agree, like just keep it out the lines were blurred and crossed and then there wasn't some accountability when some people you know crossed that line um and then jimmy pataro our president i think really had it under control i think he took over in 2018 and uh, early 2018 and really had it under control and, and we all knew like you just keep it separate you know the whole what michael jordan said in the 80s republicans buy sneakers too it isn't even about republicans or democrats it's just about why would you pick and choose who consumes your product? You know, don't you want everybody to buy your product? Doesn't everybody win that way? Why divide? Why choose? And I think that we kind of had gotten back to that. And I was so happy and relieved. And to me, because after 2016, things kind of went nuts. And then uh, the election, and then it all went back, way back, I think, uh, to another level that we hadn't seen with the COVID combination of with the George Floyd. And that's when you couldn't put the toothpaste back in the tube is what it felt like. And that's what it's been like since. And I, I know a lot of people, I think the majority of people at uh, my former 
place of employment uh, feel the same way. Just like, why, why do we have to do this? And, and why divide and why? And I don't know, at some point you quit asking why when it, when the same behavior and decisions continue. Uh, it breaks my heart because listen, to me, the worldwide leader in sports, it's always been the best of the best. That's why everybody wanted to go there. There's certainly other networks now that have done an incredible job and do, I mean, on air and the way that they, um, you know, keep things separate for some reason we haven't been able to and i think that that's also because there's nothing that's as big as espn with hundreds and hundreds of on-air people on different types of platforms so it broke my heart but i'm not alone with that you know because most importantly clifton there's so many awesome people behind the scenes what i was part of every single day on sports center for two live hours national tv for two live hours every day we we're pretty, we're badasses. We were really good. I believe that nobody did it better than we did. And they're still doing it, you know, next man up. So um, I don't know that it can get back though, because I, to your point, I have seen, and I've had so many people comment to me, like, I was sorry, a couple of people are like, sorry, I had no idea who you were because I haven't watched in five years. No, you know, I'm like, no, I don't, no offense taken, but people did quit a long time ago. And then you look at the numbers and the cord cutting, it's legitimate for, and, and so unfortunately, I think we've brought a lot on ourselves um, as an industry, not just ESPN as an industry. Um, and at the end of the day, and I'll be quiet after this, at the end of the day, no one's saying for, for athletes, for instance, to not have an opinion or not have a voice. It's just when it crosses that line. What I never did was go on air and talk about my politics or my opinions with that ever, 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 because to me, it was completely separate from my job and we're allowed to have that. So I think that that's one of the things, it's one thing to go on an NBA basketball court or an NFL field and go do your thing. But when that crosses the line and then the courts are painted and the jerseys are allowed to be different and all of the, that's where people go, you know what, I respect you, but why do you have to shove that down my, I'm not doing that to yours, to you. That's when people were turned off. Be respectful of those spaces. And to me, that's where we need to get back to. But I, I don't know that many people in the top leadership positions have the courage to get back there and to and to lay down some rules that they're gonna follow or it's gonna or you're gonna you can't have to be accountable for it, held accountable. I don't know that many people, I haven't met many who have the courage to reinstall those rules and hold people to it to, for the betterment of the product. If you're a fan of the Clifton Duncan podcast, you'll love my new newsletter called The State of the Arts. Sign up for free for weekly articles as well as the latest information on my upcoming projects, shows, events, and appearances. And for just $5 a month, you can hear me bring my articles to life in my velvety baritone voice. Join the growing heterodox arts movement and subscribe to The State of the Arts today at cliftonduncan.substack.com. Well, it's interesting because I, I find the same phenomenon across multiple industries. I mean, I have a friend who is a lawyer who was sort of uh, pushed out of her law firm because her politics weren't left wing enough, even though, you know, she, like myself, considers herself to be, uh, you know, pretty liberal on many on many things. Um, but right now, I mean, the theater industry, for instance, is, is yeah. collapsing for many of the same reasons, the exact same reasons. And I feel the same way about the leadership there is that they they won't. Part of it is because it's 
you know, it's not just politics to these people, right? It's about it's about living, literally living, and it's about life or death. They they can't operate, at, at, you know, at, at just a normal temperature. That you know, it always has to be boiling. There's some kind of controversy, and and uh, want but to be mad. they want to be angry. They want to throw the pot and start fights. That's the other thing. Where does this anger come from? I don't know. Well, it's uh, it's I mean, it's resentment, and uh, that's you know, a, a sort of a but key. Why? Because it's resentment from past wrongs and that's what it is it's it's boiled over and you know i i've tried to talk to some of my my former white progressive friends about this it's like you know there's no there's no amount of genuflection that you can do that will appease people because they are intent on just as you said i mean they don't want equality they want revenge really and until you begin to understand that um then then you're not going to understand you know why they behave the way that they do yeah but that speaks to a deeper level and i don't know i one of the things that's gotten me through so much over the last several years, professionally and personally, is my faith. And I do think that, um, again, teach his own. For me, God has helped guide me through so much and given me some very quite clear answers, even at times when I didn't want to hear them. Um, and I do think that there's been, yeah, there's a devoid of that. There's There's been um, a separation with that. And I don't know, at least the ones that are public facing and the ones that you're speaking of, right, with, with revenge in their heart, I don't know um, that they want to have faith in something else, something bigger than us. Um, and and on the other, in the opposite spectrum, I do feel that with a lot of these things going on, evil is an appropriate word to use because there there is such ugliness in people's hearts. And sometimes that's the only thing that that to me explains some of the behavior and some of the laws and some of the rules that it's 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 evil and other, otherwise it's inexplicable well you know i don't mean to laugh i'm not laughing at you but i'm laughing because you know as a as someone and my listeners will know this they'll probably know what i'm about to say but you know i, I self-identify as a liberal atheist and yet terms like good and evil are i've not used such terms with as much frequency as i have within really? the past few years yeah absolutely and you know i i I'm looking back and, and also I have to say that my, my Christian friends and, and uh, you know, my Muslim friends as well have been way, way, way more even keeled throughout all of this than all these crazy neurotic secularists. It's really, really funny to watch, but there, you know, it, it's, it's come up a few times on this podcast, the, the, the lack of differentiation between good and evil, the sort of spiritual void in people. My, my approach is that art can, can address some of that, some of those, you know, soul wounds, I suppose. Uh, art can be food for the soul and other people might find religion. But um, but I, I agree that there is a, there just seems to be a, a force of some nature going on. That's, yeah. that is, um, that it's hard to describe as anything but evil when you look at the consequences, at least if not immediately or down the road of some of the policies and some of these sort of ideas being implemented. It's very, very strange. Very I don't know how what else to say it. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very dark. And I have many friends who are atheist, agnostic, um, just don't practice. And, you know, I, again, I, I, I don't care. I am happy for them to live their lives the way that they choose, just like most of my friends are feel the same way about me. But um, yeah, call it what you want. It is very dark. And it's, um, you know, you can even look in some of the advertising and kind of what was happening with like Balenciaga and that's just when you're using children and that's where I, what else could it be? Cause that's, that's supposed to be the one group that we leave alone. You leave out them, you leave the kids alone guys. 
And the fact that that is even allowed and hey, I, I was on a plane yesterday and some guy and woman walked in and, uh, and they made sure and they were sporting a top to bottom Balenciaga and that that's their choice. But I, I, I do, it is a, a something deeper there that I don't, it scares me to really look too deeply into it because I don't, I'm afraid of what we're going to find, but there's a lot of clues to me right now that speak to what we're saying, that there's something dark. Um, and to me, I want to just run in the opposite direction and then try to, you know, full circle with my whole situation with ESPN. This is, I was very uncomfortable with it in the first place because I don't, I've never made anything really about me. Uh, and then the lines get muddled because you're allowed to have an opinion, right? Um, and especially if some are, but I'm not like, wait, what are the rules? I don't understand. I thought it was, you know, if we're liberal and tolerant and accepting and diverse, that means everyone, not some, right? But at the end of the day, I, I hope, because this isn't about me now, so much bigger. I hope that me taking a stand um, really does, it's for others, because I don't want anyone else to feel this way. I don't want anyone else to feel um, silenced and quiet and not good enough and not enough of anything, despite what, what you're being told. So to combat the evil, I promise there's a point, to combat the evil <laughs> and the negativity, I'm trying to be a positive light in the ways that I can which might feel weird because it's like, wait, you're exposing this. Yeah, why? To try to get back to where we were and back to leading with diversity and equity and tolerance and doing so with kindness and grace. Like I firmly believe that we can get there, but that can only start one at a time. So I'm combating those evil forces by trying to be positive, even in a situation that has really been pretty painful. Yeah, I hear that, you know, and I, I come back to this question of, of faith and, um, it, it's, that word has taken on, has taken on a different meaning for, for me, uh, you know, just in terms of what I've been dealing with the past few years is having faith that, uh, you know, if you, if you live virtuously, you do the right things, you, you say the truth, then, you know, eventually over time, uh, it, it will have an impact. And I think what's frustrating for me though, is that, uh, so few people, um, are willing to do that. And you can understand why. I mean, look what, look, oh, look yeah. at the hell you're going through. You know, it's, it's, I don't know how you turn that tide. I guess, like you said, it's one person at a time. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I've said it a couple of times before since uh, my departure from ESPN, and I'll continue to say it because I understand why people stay silent. I'm the poster child for why people stay silent. I've had so many people, even athletes, reach out to me. Um, it's funny years ago, I won't say any names, but some of the biggest names that everybody knows, even people who don't like sports, like, listen, man, good job. I got you. And I'm like, do you? Because if you did, you would not even agree with me, but tell some of the people to stand down. Why do we need right. to wish death upon her or, you know, but, and they're all men and not one has publicly stood up and said, God, you know, let's, let's calm down here. So that's fascinating to me. Um, that, there's only been one other person actually who has publicly um that we've stood up for each other and that's samantha ponder who hosts espn's nfl sunday countdown um and so it's so fascinating that two women <laughs> are the ones that are having each other's backs and standing up and standing tall for in this situation for you know transgender um athletes and, and women's sports etc and i just find that fascinating that everyone's been so quiet but i i understand it but to me listen <laughs> a lot of people said to me over the last couple of years, people that you, you know, well, what are you doing? Just shut up. Just stay quiet. Just get your money. 
and go and right. get another contract or go somewhere else. And just why, why, why? It is easier. It is safer. Uh, it is cheaper financially. It's all those things. For me, I couldn't look myself in the mirror anymore, you know? And I don't, again, I feel like once you're beat up enough and many people would say, okay, well, you brought that on yourself. And I guess so. If, if being myself brings that, then you're right. Um, it's just interesting how others are allowed to be themselves and are not attacked because they go along with the certain narrative that's on social media or that their companies um, choose to lead with. So I, I just am like, at some point, you have to make that decision for you. And I know that I don't want any other young woman or man to feel the way that I have felt, especially when you've done a good job at work and been a good teammate and tried to be a good leader when given the opportunity and, and, and it's still not enough. So to me, it was, are you willing to stay silent for the rest of your career, really? Because the timing, the timing of where we are today is, is kind of what was the deciding factor for me, feeling what this has turned into outside of sports for sure. And uh, it's like, gosh, if I don't use this little mini platform I have for however long, then shame on me. And when I, and I've said this before, you've heard it, Clifton, when I, when I preach to my kids to stand tall and to be who they are and to not be afraid, then I go silent because it's easier and safer. And I can, you know, and I can save money and not lose endorsements and speaking gigs. I had so many people cancel on me. Um, yeah, maybe that would have been the smarter thing, but it's not who I am. It's not how I was raised. You know, it's fascinating because people can't really, people can't believe that you, that, that to some people, at least, uh, there are certain, there are certain things that are more important than career and money. And, um, you, you know, it, it's always, it's always wonderful when you meet, uh, one of the few, few people who are like that. Um, and my, my last question for you now, and there's so much of that, I feel like I, so many directions I feel like I, I can go with, um, yeah. go in with you. But uh, like I said, I want to respect your, your time, but you know, you mentioned, um, uh, you don't know if, you know, if ESPN could get back to where it was before. And, and you, you're talking about all these sort of, um, engagements being canceled. But I, I also wonder if, um, you know, I was watching again, as I said, this is an atheist, but I was watching this, a uh, Christian, uh, guy who's talking about that, you know, whatever happens to you happens for you. And so I'm, I'm curious because, you know, I look at someone like a Megyn Kelly, for instance, who I never really paid much attention to before. It was like, you know, another one of those blonde Fox hosts, you know, and then she yeah. moved over to, to, to NBC and then she got, you know, booted from there very spectacularly. And uh, but the, the the clips of her that I've seen recently, I'm like, wow, it seems like she is really she actually found a really perfect medium for her. Um, and, and she's really slaying the game right now. And I'm, I'm wondering, kind of goes back to this idea about um people tuning out and cutting the cord because I see all these YouTube channels popping up now. And for one, yeah. I had no idea that so many people hated LeBron James and, and what he did to, to, to the NBA, but that's a whole different podcast. Crazy, but, yeah. but you know, but it's so, it's so wonderful because, you know, I, as much as, uh, you know, we, we might enjoy, uh, 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 you know, Stephen A. Smith or the late great Stuart Scott, may he rest in peace. Um, there's all these like great channels, these small channels now of people who are total geeks and giving statistics and, and making mini documentaries and, and giving highlights and everything. And I'm like, dude, why would I even watch ESPN at this point? You know what I mean? Like, and you know, and everyone has a podcast. There seems to be like this, the whole sort of sports, uh, sports entertainment 
media complex seems to be sort of fraying at the edges, if not kind of crumbling in its foundation. So I guess I have a, a two-part question with all this rambling, because I almost hear what I have to say. I want to hear what you have to say. Is, um, you know, where do you see the the, the future of of these big conglomerates like an ESPN, uh, you know, and tied into that, you know, what do you think is on the horizon for you in this new media landscape? Yeah, I, I don't know what's coming for these networks. Um, some are going to land differently than others based on the decisions they make. Um, and frankly, I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I've lived I saw the shrug time. and I was like, yeah, she's whatever. Yeah, I lived it. it for 28 years and I, I care because of the great people who are there. Uh, some of them, you know, <laughs> and I, and I wish them well. And I will always be rooting for them because like I said, we're a very talented group there, especially that new Eastern sports center I did with my co-host Matt Berry and our producers and directors. I'm so proud of every single day there. We rocked it. No one will ever know how difficult it was. No one write, writes our scripts for us. No one does it. Like we were in every part of it. And I literally to the last day I was on the air, uh, I'm, I'm so proud of every part of it. Um, and I do miss it. I will continue to miss it. For myself, I, I would love to kind of follow Megan Kelly's footsteps. I, I, I was a fan of hers at Fox uh, because I watched the journalistic side of things. Um, and I watch how she hosted. I watched how she can have two or three different guests on live primetime national slash international TV. And she has her rundown and her kind of scripts. And then you ask your question and then you listen. And from there, you don't just go necessarily with what your next scripted question was. You have to react to what your guests are saying and create a conversation. She's one of the most talented people I've ever watched. And now having done her show a few weeks ago and watching how she did that and how prepared she was. And I've never seen anyone more talented than Megan Kelly. And again, I, I'm just getting to know her. This is not a biased opinion. She's incredible. Um, I know that I, I, I've always been very hard on myself and what I need to continue to work on as a broadcaster. But the one thing I, I, I can say that I've been proud of is that I've maintained my ability to try to have conversations with people uh, that I'm interviewing or sitting next to, despite the pressure, despite the bright lights, despite the cameras going to millions of people. I wanna create something like that and to have opinions on all kinds of topics. No, not just sports, uh, but not getting away from sports either. There's a lot of personal things as a, as a mother of um, three now older kids um, and getting a divorce right at the pandemic. and you know, personal things that I'm really willing and excited to, to share and talk about. Um, not that it feels good to talk about some of those things, certainly, but because whenever I have, it's been really a blessing for me, a gift for me to hear and see how many people benefit from realizing that they're not alone. So I think there's a lot of blessings in letting go of that fear and letting go of what people, caring what people think about you, to be able to share things. Um, maybe it is, you know, on one particular day or many times about the decision to take a stand and file a lawsuit against one of the biggest company, companies in the planet. Not my plan in life. Not exactly what I wanted to do. <laughs> Never wanted to do it. Um, and it still hurts that I felt like I had to make that decision. But what is that decision process like, that decision-making process like? Because many people have really freaking tough decisions to make that are related to work or family. And it doesn't mean that my way is the right way, certainly. 
but I think just sharing how we all get there, people can take bits and pieces. I know I have, I listen to a ton of different podcasts all the time. I'm a night owl and when I'm up doing laundry or cleaning my closet or my bathroom or whatever, um, but I do at two in the morning when I should be sleeping, I listen to podcasts and hear many diverse opinions. And um, I just want to be able to, to share it because I hope that all of this chaos and the publicity that's come from it isn't, I feel like it, none of it will be wasted if I can kind of share it and people can take from it and be like, okay, last she shared, I am not doing anything like what she did. She taught me not to do it. Right. Great. And then most importantly for my kids, because, um, I'll say this, you might've heard me say this before Clifton. I haven't said it too many times actually, because I just, in reflecting the last few weeks, um, the night before the lawsuit dropped, um, I, I, I spoke separately to each of my children. My oldest was at college. Um, she was finishing her freshman year, I think, sophomore year, I don't know. Um, and that, yeah, freshman year. And then my son was a senior in high school. And then my other daughter was a sophomore in high school. And I talked to the girls and then my son, I went down to his room and I said, listen, I just want to let you know what's, what's happening tomorrow. And I was nervous because I don't want, they have been on the receiving end. They've received some shrapnel as well from what's happened with me at work a lot, frankly, at times. And my son, um, I said, buddy, I just need you to know this is what's happening tomorrow. You don't have to defend me. just need you to know in case someone says something. And my son stopped what he was doing. And he looked at me and he goes, mom, it's about time you stood up for yourself. Yeah, he was 17. And so for a 17-year-old kid to have observed a lot more than I ever realized and felt it and received some BS for his mom as well. Uh, teachers ask questions. It's so weird. Leave the kids alone on every level, guys, please. Uh, for my son to say, it's about time you stood up. You might have, as you might imagine, I got very emotional and just, uh, yeah, I'm doing the right thing for me. And I just want others to do the right thing for themselves as well. And if I can share it on a public platform, while having conversations with others, people in the spotlight, maybe others who aren't, have strong opinions, own them, allow others to share theirs and do it with kindness and grace and humor because I'm actually very funny. You just haven't felt that today. <laughs> um, I think that, that that's, it's just time. I know that I have no desire to go work under some big umbrella again, where there's just gonna be some other rules that come up that you know, I'm going to have trouble with, if someone mandates a vaccine again, I'm out. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like I had to, to keep my job the last time. So see, that was not a very good soundbite of an answer, was it? That was really super long, but I, 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 I hope that you can feel, um, yeah, I'm tired and, and all that, but I, I do feel that, um, regardless of my opinions on things by choosing to stand up, that's, that's the right thing for me. Um, and I hope I can inspire others to not be silent when they feel scared or they feel taken advantage of or silenced or even discriminated against. Um, because shame on those people who do that to us, but that's kind of my fault if I allow it. And I had allowed it for too long and now I'm not. Well, I, can't think of a better way to close, uh, but I will criticize you for uh, thinking in terms of sound bites. I think the beauty of what uh, of what you're doing right now and what we do and the whole this whole new media landscape of podcasting and these long form conversations, um, people are 
tired of the soundbite thing. I think it's one reason why these big media companies are dying because they're sick of that model. And yeah, right. um, you know, something else I would say is that uh, I, I, I feel this way, and I'm sure uh, many of your friends told you the same thing, but I know everyone watching this feels the same way as well, is that, uh, you know, whatever, wherever you land, it's going to be the right place for you. Uh, I think that your, your openness um, and your, as I said before, your, your, uh, uh, your effortless uh, effervescence, um, even if it is effortful, um, but it, it appears mm -hmm. to be effortless and, and easeful, which is what you want in, uh, I guess, an on-camera personality. Um, oh, thank you. And you know what? It, that, that it just comes, I think, with age and with, um, I don't know that if I hadn't been as beaten up um, publicly, you know, again, some will say you brought it on yourself, fine. Um, the way people choose to receive you is, is their own choices they want to attack. But I, I wouldn't change a thing because I think that happening so many times on such a high level and public platform has made me say, okay, I don't care. I've always been myself, really. Um, much to the chagrin of my producers at times, because I'll get wordy and talk too much, you know, when you're on a, a, a show with commercial breaks and you got to hurry up and get through it, get to the next live segment. It's like rap, rap. <laughs> so it is kind of nice to not have to do that. But um, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I've been beaten down enough to say, I don't care. I don't care what you think. And it is just easier to be yourself. And then at least people can hate you for you, not for that fake person that you put out there. And I'm, this is, I'm super comfortable with it. Um, and it's amazing how many people actually um, are kind and do lead with grace. Unfortunately, the, the social media world, that's not the way that it works. But I can't tell you how many times I've had people come up to me and stop me in the few weeks since, since I left on airplanes um yesterday in the airport four people came up to me um and by the way all all black men and women who you know on social media it's like remember i'm silenced by by black people and who who are she's a sellout she's this and that and i i'm like okay you can think that but i know that that's there's so much more good than bad that has nothing to do with me by the way so much more good in this world the bad is just really loud and we need to work to to silence that. So I just hope that people are no longer fearful. We we cannot be afraid or this will be on us. We can't. And that's my passion right now. Well, I think certainly, especially based on what you just told me about uh, about your interaction with your son and people interacting with you in public, the, the public life or real or reality, as we used to call it, um, it seems <laughs> like uh, you're just as your parents before you did, uh, you know, and, and they and so I know your dad's in the room. So thanks, Mr. Steele. Um, Aww, he's uh, waving. <laughs> awesome. But, uh, you know, it sounds like you're inspiring all the right people and you're setting the right examples for um, the people who come after you. So I, I thank you oh, for that. Um, Sage, how can people find you if they want to send you some nice and polite messages? <laughs> uh, thank you. Yes. Listen, keep the hate to yourself. I have plenty. Um, my website is just sagesteele.com. We see every message. You said earlier, my team, it's 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 very small. Um, a couple of people that I trust with my life and my children, and that's it. And we see everything and um, try to respond to everybody. But um, that's also where I'll, we'll have some announcements about what's coming up in the future as well, hopefully pretty soon here. Because um, listen, I, I'm a working girl. I've been working since I was 15. I'm not, I'm not gonna stop now, you know? But it's a blessing to be able to do it. Um, 
So yeah, sagedeal.com and add all my social media feeds into there too. So you'll probably see some, you know, stupid Instagram stories that I post last week, my dog peed in my brand new living room rug and I, I exposed her for that. So like you get the real, the real non-glamorous me <laughs> on Instagram. Well, I think people, I mean, that's what people love today. They're, they're looking for authenticity, uh, which you cannot fake. Uh, well, Miss Steele, uh, the, the name Steele obviously is not just a name. It's also in your constitution. Um, thank you so much for, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You are wonderful. And I'd love to do it again sometime. Sounds good. Maybe on uh, your new, I'm not going to say, I have no idea what's going yeah, on. I'm, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> presuming that's, that's coming out. Well, if, I don't know. You probably didn't hear it here first, but uh, no, I, I, I think, uh, I, I think we all know you're going to be fine, even if it's tough right now. I'll be okay.